Today we continue this series that uh, we've been in for a few weeks, kind of on the, on the church, on the body of Christ, and how we are all members of this body and play an important part. And so I'd like to read the scripture for today. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Listen now to the word of God. But you, you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people, the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would take your word today and and speak to us in a very powerful way. We pray that it would come to us with clarity, with power, with full conviction, and with love. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I think one of the most dramatic scenes in the entire Bible, one of my favorite scenes, is what we call the reinstatement of Peter from John chapter 21. Christ has been crucified. The disciples are disorganized. They're confused. They don't know what to do. So what do they do? They go back to what they know. And Peter is fishing on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus appears, the risen Christ, and comes to Peter. Now remember, Peter, on the night in which Christ was betrayed, denied Christ three times. And then went away from that, those, that meeting and wept bitterly. And he's feeling like a failure. Feels like he didn't, doesn't have anything to offer. I'm sure it is one of the low points of his life because obviously he loved Jesus. And so Jesus finds Peter on the, sea, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he went up to him and he looked him straight in the eyes. And he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? And each time Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. It's a commissioning service. Maybe kind of an ordination service. Because Jesus had big plans for Peter. He didn't just resolve Peter's past. Like Jesus does with all of us, he gives us a future, he gives us a great purpose, meaning in life. And he says, Peter, I'm going to use you to change the world. Amazing, isn't it? After this failure of epic proportions, Jesus then goes and he finds Peter and looks him in the eye and he says, Peter, I'm going to use you to lead the church. Upon you, you will be the rock upon which I build my church, and amazing, it happens. Peter, this uneducated fisherman, no formal education except being around Jesus for three years, which is a pretty good education, but no theological degree, no college degree, no high school degree, no training. He goes and he leads God's people, this coward, becomes incredibly courageous. And legend has it that he died upside down. 
on a cross. But he led the church. And he changed the world. The church spread like crazy through the Mediterranean region. Now, is that the power of Peter? No. It's the power of the risen Christ in Peter, using him to serve God. Amazing story. And as we talk about gifts and how God wants to use us, here is a powerful example, is it not? Of God using an ordinary person to do great things. Now here's what's also amazing. Christ, the risen Christ, looks at you this morning. Looks you in the eye. And says, do you love me? If you do, let me use you to do kingdom work in this world. You know, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know what we've been talking about. And I hope there are a couple things that have come just through loud and clear. And these are the ones that I hope you get. You have been created to serve God. You have been created to serve God. Not only that, you have been uniquely shaped by God for service. In other words, God has graciously given you gifts and skills and natural abilities and experiences and passions to serve him in a way that only you can do. Uniquely you. And not, God not only gifts you for service, equips you for service, he calls you to service. It is the mark of the Christian. And he calls us to ministry, not just professional staff or pastors or a really small spiritual, really spiritual people. No, he calls every one of us. Each and every one of us. And the church, oh, the church is healthy and vital and alive and empowered and dynamic when we realize these things and are living them out. Church is really the church as God sees it when the whole people of God know that they are gifted and that they are called and that they are serving according to their gifts. You know what this is called? It's one of the basic tenets of the Protestant Reformation. It's called the priesthood of all believers. We are all priests. This is what it says. Each one of us. Now let me give you some background on this because it's important. You know, in the Old Testament, there was this select group of people called priests. And they did priestly things. Who They served as mediators between God and the people. And the average person didn't believe that they had direct access to God, so they had to go through a priest. And the priest communicated the word of God to the people. And the priests were in charge of religious things, like offerings and sacrifices. But then Jesus comes. And what does Jesus start saying? 
He starts looking at ordinary people and he says, you know what? You are the salt of the earth. And you know what? You are the light of the world. In other words, you're to go out and be the people of God and to do the work of God in the world. And Christ became our high priest. In fact, he became the ultimate sacrifice. We didn't have to do all the sacrifices anymore. Christ was our sacrifice, and now he is the mediator between us and God. So we have direct access to God. And then the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and infuses the church with the power of the Holy Spirit. The message was clear. Every Christian has direct access to God. We don't have to go through a priest. Every Christian has the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in them to do the work that God has called them to do. And every Christian has been anointed as a priest to carry God's love and hope to each other and to the world. Do you see how this changed the church? The early church was a lay movement. There were no professional clergy. They just went out. And you know what? It, the church exploded. It was healthy. It was growing. It was a movement. And they embraced this idea of all of us being priests and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But then something happened. Over time, they went back to the old system, really. And by the time of the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, the church, it looked like a football game where 80,000 people were sitting in the stands and 22 people were playing on the field. See what I'm saying? And the reformers like Calvin and Luther and the others, they said, you know, they started reading scripture and they read, read scripture like this and scripture where it talks about all the people being uh, servants of God and being gifted. And they said, you know what, this isn't right. All of us are priests. All of us have a ministry. All of us can go directly to God. See, the Roman Catholic Church was very different at that time. It needed reforming. You don't have to go to a priest to confess something. Confess right to God. You can read the Bible on your own. If you wanted to be forgiven, you didn't have to go through a priest. That was the picture of the church that the reformers saw. And they, they said, this isn't right. It's the priesthood of all believers. And they read these scriptures like the one I just read. Now, unfortunately, we've kind of gone back to the Catholic Church. And I think one of the reasons why the church in America is dying is we have not finished the business of the Reformation. And we've gone again to kind of two classes. The, the priests, the pastors, professional staff, and the, the rest of the people of God. In fact, this is one of the reasons, honestly, I don't like to wear a robe because it, it marks me as different somehow from you. Now, I, I know it's tradition and people like it, and I'll wear it once in a while, especially when my clothes are dirty and I, I don't... <laughs> 
but that's really, theologically, I have problems with it. In fact, you know, in the Reformers' time, they, they wore the robes because the robes were the biz, business suit of the time in Geneva. And they didn't want to distinguish themselves from the people, so they wore business suits. Isn't that funny? And now it's come to be exactly the opposite. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, let me lift some things from all this that I said and from this scripture today. Three observations. One is, you are a priest. Did you hear our scripture? Paul says, or Peter writes, you are a royal priesthood. He is addressing the entire church. Everybody. That means you. Now, you may say, man, Steve, I don't feel like a priest. I don't look like a priest. I don't have a collar. <laughs> My friend used to say, the only reason you wear those collars is to get a free dinner at an Italian restaurant. <laughs> Don does that every once in a while. I know he does. <laughs> now, you may think that you have to have all the answers to be a priest. You may think you need a theological degree to be a priest. You may think you're not quite worthy of being a priest. Like, I don't feel like I'm worthy to be a pastor. But that doesn't change the truth. You are a priest. And God wants to use you. Now, only a couple qualifications, really, to being a priest. You know what they are? One is to have the living Christ inside of you. To have union with Christ. The second is to be available. To say, God, use me. However you may see fit, use me to do your work in the world. And I think there's really two big hindrances to people being used by God. And you may agree with this. One is uh, you're afraid of what people will think. Afraid of failure is the second one. You may think you have to be perfect. Friends, don't let fear run your life. Remember, I've said a number of times already, number one command in Scripture, by far, do not fear. I find that so interesting. Do not fear. Do not be fearful. I have to tell you the truth. God uses weak people. In Corinthians, it describes us as clay pots, just ordinary clay pots that God wants to use. If we waited for God to make us perfect, God wouldn't get any work done in the world, would he? We're not perfect. And if you were perfect, you'd have to find another church. Yeah, the church is really just a bunch of imperfect people. Loving each other. Loving Christ. Your most effective ministry will come out of your weakness and your deepest hurts. When you are vulnerable with people and are willing to share your story with them, you know what? People respond, don't they? You should just have a reason for the hope that you have in Christ. That's what we did all summer with these stories of, of faith, right? Now, let me demystify this word priest a little bit. 
you know, it really comes from the Latin word pontifex, what we call the Pope, the pontiff, right? Literally, what it means in English is bridge builder. So to be a priest is simply being a bridge builder. I love that metaphor. I gave it some thought this week, and I thought, you know, this is really what I do as a pastor, is I, I build bridges. Because what does a bridge do? What does the Golden Gate Bridge do? It takes us from one place to another, right? It helps people get from San Francisco to Marin, or from Marin to San Francisco. A bridge just gets you from one place to another. And this is a great description of ministry. You just help people to move from one place to another, just like Jesus did with Peter, from a a place of discouragement to a place of hope, right? A place of, of despair to a place of hope. A place of hurt and pain to a place of healing. A place of falsehood to a place of truth. A place of being lost to a place of being found. A place of darkness to a place of light. A place of loneliness, maybe, to a place of community. A place of brokenness to a place of wholeness. A place of apathy, maybe, to a place of love. That's what ministry is. You're building bridges between people and God and between people and people and helping people to move forward in their life. You know, I want to tell you about a couple friends of mine from a previous church. Their names are Larry and and Karen. They are priests. Larry is this big guy. Shaven head, goatee, and Karen is his wife. And once a month, every year, Larry dyes his goatee bright pink. (laughs) Because his wife, Karen, is a breast cancer survivor, and he believes so strongly in that that cause, and so this is what he does. And so every year, bright pink, and I'm not just saying pink, but like neon pink. (laughs) Character. And here's what they did. They had both been through divorces and then found each other and married each other. And boy, I tell you, they are bridge builders. They led our divorce recovery class. No education, no theological education. Larry's a, a, he drives a beer truck. And yet in the church, this is his ministry. And he's passionate about it. And I remember in a gifts and call class, this class I'm teaching right now, where we help people find their gifts and their passions and their ministries and the unique, unique shape that God has given to each person. I remember he was in the class and we started talking about passion. What, what are you passionate about? What group of people are you passionate about? What pain in the world are you passionate about? I remember him talking about helping people who are going through divorce and he teared up, this big hulking guy. <laughs> Boy, they taught that class for years. Led, I don't know how many people through the stages of grief and pain, going through divorce. And you know what? They knew what it was like. They could do that class much better than me, I'm sure. And God used them. And if you ask people who had been through that class how 
God used Larry and Karen. They would say, oh, they brought me from a place of brokenness and pain and hurt to a place of healing and hope and new life. That's what God wants to do. Larry's just available. Karen, they're just available to God. They're just sharing their story. My third point is really a question. Are you up for being used by God? You know, some of us have been Christians for 40, 50, 60, maybe 70 years. Never have really been used by God to touch people's lives. And maybe not in a formal way, like leading a divorce recovery, but, you know, maybe someone at your work is hurting. Can you be a bridge builder? We have Sunday school that's ramping up. We're going to need a lot of people to teach kids, I hope. (laughs) I remember reading about a postmaster general in the United States who was a postmaster general for years, but his ministry was teaching young boys in Sunday school. That's what he was passionate about. And for years, he did that at his church. Maybe you're in recovery because of an addiction. Can you lead a recovery group for our church? You know, one of my dreams for this church is that we will start what, I, what we call Stephen Ministry, which is a ministry designed to, to help train lay people to just walk with people through pain, through transition, through hurt in life, just not to be a professional counselor, but just someone who listens and loves and cares and walks alongside and encourages Maybe you have the skills to lead a small group. Amazing. You know, one of the reasons we have small groups is because we minister to each other in small groups. It's a little small group of what the church should be, that we're caring for each other, the whole people of God. I don't know what it might be. It might be formal. It might be informal. But God wants to use you. You are a priest. Piedmont Community Church Let's live out our identity as the whole people of God, each of us being a priest that uses his or her gifts to build up the church, to build up one another, to encourage each other, to be all that God has created us to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. God, we thank you for this beautiful picture of the church that we are all created by you, shaped by you, to serve others in love, to be bridge builders and help each other to move from places of hurt to places of healing, from apathy to love. Whatever it might be, God, may we all see ourselves as you see us, as people who can be used by you to build up the church, to affect the lives of others. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.